What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 20 of the Sports Show with Ben and Dylan. We are here today in somewhat an action as we have um, our hypothetical um, MLB All-Star teams as well as our uh, college football predictions for this season. Um, we will get into all of that in just a bit. But first, as always, a quick word from our sponsor. Guys, if you have been listening to our podcast for a long time now, you know that Garden Greens is just quite frankly the best lawn care service around. Garden Greens is pre- is presenting today's episode for you guys as they have presented for the last uh, bunch of episodes. Garden Greens, helping your garden stay clean. Yeah, also, I think, are we just going to do, like, an NBA update? The second round, all of the second round series have started. We're just going to basically skim by those as there yeah. hasn't been anything too eventful except for in, I guess, the Eastern Conference series. Uh, what do you want to get started with? Yeah, let's start it off with the NBA here. Um, as Dylan mentioned, all of the, uh, all of the um, and playoff series have started. Uh, we can start in the Eastern Conference with the uh, the Bucks and the Heat. Uh, yes, the Bucks Heat series has not been necessarily the most competitive, but they have had some pretty close games. Now, Game One and Game Two were very, very close. Game Two obviously ended with um, the questionable foul call on Jimmy Butler uh, at the buzzer, or against Jimmy Butler at the buzzer. He sunk both the free throws, and the Heat went on to take a 2-0 lead. And then in Game 3, uh, the Heat, well, although trailing going into the fourth, outscored them like 40-13 to or something in the fourth quarter to take that one. And then lastly, in Game 4, uh, around halftime, Giannis went down with a an ankle injury. He did not return to the game. Uh, it, the game was pretty close until the Heat started to cling away a bit at the end. The Bucks though, rallied back uh, until... Um, the game was close enough that it was sent to overtime. Then in overtime, the Bucks sort of controlled it the whole time, but it was always close. Uh, some big Tiger Hero threes gave the Heat an, uh, uh, an opportunity at the end uh, to throw a full-court pass and do some, like, Christian Leitner-type play, but the pass was knocked down. And, yeah, we are up, uh, or the Heat are up 3-1, to one, and uh, that, that's basically all that's happened in this series so far. Yeah, I mean, the Heat jumped out, obviously, to an early 3-0 lead. Um, and then Chris Middleton basically put this Bucks team on his back um, yesterday um, in, in Game 4. Um, the Heat kind of it looked at, like they relaxed a little bit um, after Giannis went down with that somewhat scary ankle injury um, as he, he went down and um, yelled out um, a... Um, a cry of pain and had to be helped off the court. Uh, so that was that was scary. Um, we, he, we're not sure if he's going to return really at all for the rest of the series. Uh, so that will be an interesting storyline to watch. But nonetheless, the Heat uh, seem to have at least somewhat control over this series uh, right now as they are up 3-1. Yeah, I mean, this series hasn't been the closest, like I already said. But, I mean, it's crazy to see that the Bucs uh, rallied back without Giannis to win uh, Game 4. And we'll see, especially if he's not playing in Game 5, if the Bucs really could provide a reason why they would not be or, or why they don't need Giannis going forward. Yeah. 
Uh, we can move on here to the other Easter Conference series, um, where it is Boston, the Boston Celtics versus the Toronto Raptors. Uh, this series is tied at 2-2. Uh, the Celtics won two games, and then the Raptors have taken the last two to tie things up at two apiece. As I mentioned, um, it, it looked like... Um, at least towards the end of game three that the Celtics had an opportunity to go up uh, 3-0 in the series and really just take complete and total control of this Toronto team. Um, But they ended up losing by just one point, 104, 103 in game three. And then um, in game four, the Raptors won to tie things up. And now it has gotten a lot more competitive Um, game uh, five is uh, tonight. Um, at 6.30, so uh, that will be interesting to watch, see what happens there. This is a pivotal game in the series. Uh, one of these two teams will go up 3-2 to two and have an opportunity to close things out in Game 6. Yeah, uh, just to talk about it a little. Uh, we see the series. Boston took Game 1 pretty easily. But game 2, it, there was a lot that went on. Boston controlled it for a lot of it. It, it was it was close. It was a very close game, but Boston took it. And then Game Three basically been um, probably the most not iconic necessarily, but like the craziest game of the playoffs. Uh, Boston led by an incredible Kemba Walker pass, um, and that a Daniel Tice finish took a two point lead with I think three seconds left, maybe more or maybe less. I'm not even sure. Uh, and then Kyle Lowry threw an incredible pass uh, that was defended by um, none other than the seven foot six Taco Fall um, to OG Ananobi, who was pretty open in the corner. He drilled the three, and that was that for game three. And then in game four, I mean, it was close, but Toronto basically controlled the whole time and never really gave up. Uh, it, it was basically their game. And, and Toronto now going into game five has all of the momentum. Uh, and I think if, if Toronto, not I think, but I think the winner of this game will win the series. But I mean, we've obviously seen that Toronto can rally back from being down uh, like they've had already in the series. So you never know. Maybe this uh, game is not the most pivotal game in the series. Maybe game three was. But uh, yeah, we can move on to the uh, first of two Western Conference playoff series. Uh, probably the least interesting playoff series right now of the four which is the Clippers versus the Nuggets. Yeah, this series is currently tied at one apiece game. Uh, game three will be tonight at 9 o'clock. Uh, the Clippers took game one, and then the Nuggets took game two. As Dylan mentioned, this has not been the most eventful of series. I think it is probably, if you're ranking these four matchups so far, I think it has been um, probably the least uh, exciting through uh, it's two games. I mean, you look at Miami and Milwaukee, that's interesting because it's the one seed that is on the verge of elimination. Uh, the Toronto and Boston series has been competitive. Um, obviously, that's tied to a piece, as we talked about. And then the Houston-LA um, series, uh, which we will get to in a second, has been uh, at least somewhat intriguing as well. But as far as this Clippers-Nugget uh, series, it hasn't been... Um, all that, all that great. I mean, it's been it's been tight, obviously, as um as the uh, as both of these teams are tied at one apiece. But yeah, 
I mean, yeah, to summarize it in a few words, Clippers dominated game one, Nuggets dominated game two. Uh, there's not much to say. Neither of the games are close, so there's not really even anything to get into details about. Uh, we can move on to the uh, final series. It is tied 1-1 with the Lakers winning game two last night. Uh, it is tied at 1-1, like I already said. Uh, game one, Rockets. Although it was close in the first half, really pulled away and kind of dominated the second half, led by James Harden and Eric Gordon and Westbrook put in a decent performance. And then game two, it was very tight until the end where the Lakers started to pull away. Uh, it finished with a 117-108 to Lakers win. Uh, LeBron finished with almost a triple-double with, I think, uh, 29 points, like 11 rebounds and 8 assists. And Anthony Davis had a 35-point triple-double, or 34. Um and the Lakers won game one. This game was tight. It was a good game. Uh, Westbrook definitely struggled, uh, only scoring uh, 10 points. But he did have 13 rebounds, so I guess he wasn't awful. Um, but, yeah, that wraps up this NBA summary. Uh, it was a quick one, I guess. Uh, just real quick predictions. Who do you think are going to win the rest of these series? Yeah, I think um... – I think whoever wins um, game five tonight of the um, Raptors-Celtics series will win uh, that series. I think the Heat will win this series against the Bucs. Um, I think the Lakers will will continue to assert their dominance and beat the Rockets. Um, and then I think, I don't know, I think this Nuggets-Clippers um, is probably going to be a toss-up at this point. Obviously, it's tied 1-1. I think I'll go with the Clippers just because of their depth, and overall, they are just a better team, um, although the Nuggets um, are coming off a terrific series against the Jazz, or maybe it wasn't terrific, considering... Uh, it was kind of gross. They were down 3-1. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, so, for me... Okay, you can finish. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know who wins that Clippers-Nuggets series. I think the Clippers will just because they have been a better team at this point. But, yeah, you can give yours. Uh, yeah, I definitely like the Clippers in that series. I expect them to at least win in six, maybe even five. Uh, and then for the Lakers-Rockets, I think it's going to be tight. Probably game seven, uh, maybe game six, something like that. But I like the Lakers. And then uh, for the last two series, uh I expect the Heat to beat the Bucks in five games, maybe six if the Bucks can string away another. Uh, and then Celtics Raptors, I agree. I think whoever takes Game Five win that series. I personally think Boston will take it. Um, yeah, being my uh, pre-playoff prediction uh, favorites, uh, Raptors. But yeah, we can move on to our. MLB All-Star, I guess you'll call it, update thing. Uh, or not update, I guess. It would be more of a, like, predictions, hypothetical, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we will get into it. So we are only doing starting lineup. So a starting pitcher, obviously first base, second base, third base, shortstop, uh, and then three outfielders, catcher, a DH for the AL. Uh, no bench players. But, uh, yeah, let's get into it. We will start with the AL starting pitcher. Yeah, so um... – now, just, just before we completely get into it, um, obviously there's no um, All-Star game this year, so um, we decided to um, take on an idea that a lot of sports websites, uh, whatever you want to call it, have, have been doing as of late, ESPN, 
CBS Sports, um, putting together a hypothetical MLB All-Star team since there is no All-Star game this year. Um, it obviously would have been um, earlier in the year um, if they had it. Um, but, yeah, so we um, have our our starting lineups here, and we will get into it. Uh, yeah, just to point this out, we sort of combined what the fans would vote in some positions, even if they haven't necessarily had the best season at their position. And then uh, we also combined who's actually been the best. So uh, we will start it off with our AL starting pitcher where we have the same. It is clear he has been arguably the best player in baseball, definitely the best pitcher in baseball this season. Uh, that is the Indians ace, Shane Bieber. Yeah, um, I don't think anybody is debating this at this point. He, um, at least at this point, um, unless he completely falls off a cliff um, in the next, um, in the rest of the season, um, he has the Cy Young award locked up. He has by far been the best pitcher in the AL to this point. So I think Shane Bieber um, gets the nod here, um, obviously, at starting pitcher. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it has not been the greatest year for pitchers. There hasn't been that many great ones, like, past years. I mean, Jacob deGrom, obviously, when he's playing, has been uh, great. Garrett Cole's been decently eh, solid. Uh, Scherzer's been fine. A, bu- a bunch of solid guys. Are in, but, but the guys who you expect to be great uh, have not been as good as maybe they were expected to be. So I think you have to give it to Shane Bieber in the long run. Uh we could now move on to our starting first baseman uh, for the for the AF. Yeah, um, I, I have Jose Abreu here. Um, I think you do as well. Um, I, I don't think this one is, is too, too close. I guess you could maybe make the argument for, for Luke Bolt of the, of the Yankees um, just because he has been the lone bright spot of that Yankees team in a struggling year for that. For that squad, but um, no, I think Abreu of the White Sox gets this yeah. uh, first baseman nod easily. Yeah, I don't know why we skipped the catcher. That was my bad. I think we're just going to go around the diamonds. <laughs> so first and second, then shortstop and third, then catcher. That was my bad. Uh, and then the outfield. But anyway, my first baseman is definitely Abreu. I mean, he's been a great hitter. He's been uh, probably the best player on a uh, White Sox team that is trending towards potentially uh, getting the one seed in the AL. They're at the two seed right now. Uh, I-, I think the White Sox are very, very good. There's obviously been some other guys uh, who actually will be on our teams in a bit. But, I mean, I think Abreu has probably been the best player, and he- he's been very good this season. And, and obviously you have to give him um, – a nod, I guess, for being probably the best player on one of the best teams in baseball. So we can move on to the second baseman, where I think there wasn't necessarily a clear one. There were a few guys up for debate. Yeah, um, I'll give mine first. I have Brandon Lowe here of the Tampa Bay Rays. There are a bunch of guys you can make for, but he really has been a breakout star this year. So um, I think um, he has uh, been a bright spot on a Tampa Bay Rays team that has been pretty good this year. Um, so I gave him the nod at second base. Yeah, I gave it to um, Hansel or Alberto. I know maybe not, probably wouldn't be it. But I think although Lowe has been very, very good, you give people props because they've been on what is the best team in the AL. Alberto has been on a 
struggling uh, Orioles team, but he has probably been uh, the brightest of their few bright spots. Um, so I think he gets a nod here. I doubt fans would vote him in because he's not necessarily like a well-known player, but I think he has been the best second baseman in the AL this year. Yeah, I agree. He probably has been, but I think Lowe well, is a close enough second, and plus the, the fan vote, as you mentioned, not many people, um, you know, I don't think would would vote for him. So I think uh, that's more or less the reason I gave it to Lowe. Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, we can move on to shortstop. I know we were going in a pretty whack order, but I mean, eh, who cares? Uh, shortstop, I think it was not necessarily clear, but when you are given a, an opportunity to pick a guy who has been on one of the hottest slash best teams in baseball, has been or has hit pretty solid and um, – and, I mean, when there's not that many other options, I wasn't really even considering any other guys. Uh, I think your starting shortstop for the AL has to be Tim Anderson. Yeah, I would completely agree with everything you said there. I mean, other guys have been decent, but none have compared to him. And like I already said, fan voting, he is wasn't necessarily a known player until that uh, bat flip last year. But, I mean, now he is, so I think a lot of people would vote for him. Plus, um, he has been very, very good, and the White Sox have been very, very good. So I think you give it to Anderson. Yeah. All right. So we can move here to our third base position, um, where I have Anthony Rendon of the Angels. Now, if it weren't for the last, um, the last uh, week, or, or I guess really two weeks it's been in total, but specifically the last week, I maybe would have given it to Matt Chapman as well, um, or at least it would have been very close, um, but Matt Chapman has proceeded to hit 150 over his last seven games, and even more broader, hit uh, 204 um, in his last 15, um, so he has struggled, um, and I think it is close enough at this point to give it to uh, Renda. Yeah, I said, or I made a case on the last episode, I'm pretty sure it was, maybe it was a week ago, I'm not 100% sure that I made a huge case for Rendon for AL MVP. I don't necessarily think that, but I think when you combine the fact that he's been very good with the fact that, you at Chapman actually, I don't think Chapman's been so, I mean, he's been great. He's been good. He's been on the A's who are very, very good, but I mean, uh, he, he's definitely struggled and now he is injured. He's day to day, but, but still, um, I think you give it to Rendon. He's been solid enough, even though he has been on the Angels, which I'm not sure by standing 100%, but at least in terms of disappointment, they have probably been the worst team in the AO. Um, I don't know. That's I think that's a topic for another day. I mean, I don't think too, too many people had high expectations for the Angels coming in. I know you did somewhat, um, but no, I think th- they've, been disappointing overall um any year that Mike Trout doesn't make the playoffs is I guess maybe disappointing when the best player in baseball doesn't even make the playoffs um especially with the addition of Rendon obviously this year um but anyway we can move on here to our catcher finally um where I have Pedro Severino of the Baltimore Orioles yeah I think that is very logical uh I went a different route here another player who was on a pretty bad team, even though the Orioles are in playoff contention indeed. Uh, 
I like sort of I like Salvador Perez is it Perez is it Perez I'm not sure but he is very good he got hurt as well he's on IL um for like fantasy baseball I know because I was looking today for no such reason um but uh he's been solid it, it doesn't necessarily matter that he's on an awful team especially for a catcher because it's not like catchers don't fully rely on um Hitting, obviously, they rely on defense a lot. And even for hitting, he hasn't been – okay, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been awful. Um, and I think you have to give it to him. He is also probably, in terms of fan voting, one of the most well-known pitchers in baseball. So uh, that's why I gave it to him. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess I he has been one of the best catchers in baseball over the last – five-ish years. Uh, Perez has had a good run of a half a decade or so, and I think he would definitely make it with the fan vote. But, I mean, um, I think um, Pedro um, Severino has had a good year as well. I don't know. You could probably get into either of these guys. Obviously, uh, we went different routes, but now we can move on here to the outfield, uh, our three outfield positions. Uh, for the American League, I will start things off where I have another Angels player in Mike Trout. Uh, yeah, the Angels, although they have been pretty bad, obviously still produce the best player in baseball. I mean, although he hasn't been the best this season, uh, Trout is still a very solid season, and then he's obviously getting in when you also combine it with the fan vote. I wasn't trying to rely on the fan vote, but, I mean, if you're making – if you're trying to make a case for Trout not making it to the All-Star game for whatever reason, then you're always just going to go back to the the, the way that the phone, fans are obviously voting him in. But anyway, Trout is still very, very good, and um, he hasn't necessarily been his greatest. Maybe might be his worst season of his career so far. I, I don't know, at least maybe not in terms of numbers, but, but he hasn't been necessarily the MVP candidate that he usually is. Um, Anyway, I think he has still been very, very good, and uh, he, he's still probably the best um, outfielder in the AL this season. Uh, we can move on to the second outfielder. Yeah, um, at the second outfielder, I have Kyle Lewis of the uh, Seattle Mariners. He has been a breakout star, um, and there hasn't been too many um, quality outfielders this year for the American League, um, but nonetheless, Kyle Lewis um, is my second outfielder here. Yeah, I think that is obviously logical. I feel like uh, Lewis, although the Mariners haven't been great either, has still been a monster. Uh, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even sure. I guess who else is even up for debate? Uh, he's been very, very good. I'm not sure he's been the second. Yeah, no, he probably has been the second best in the AL. And I mean, these uh, are necessarily. I, I, I mean, the order I'm saying these isn't necessarily my ranking of outfielders this year. No, no, no. I, yeah. I, I'm just pointing it out that I think he's probably been the second best outfielder in the AL behind Trout this year. Uh, we can move on to our next outfielder or final outfielder. Yeah, my final outfield position goes to. Um, Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, yeah, I.
be in the league. I'm not 100% sure. Um, like I said, the White Sox have been great. And, I mean, if you're great, you're going to have great players. So, uh, yeah, he's been very solid. And um, and he is clearly, I would say, you could make maybe make an argument for somebody else or, or some other guys. But I think clearly the best rookie in baseball. Yeah, I would – I think I would agree with that. Um, and we can finish um, off our AL side of things here with our designated hitter position um, where I have Nelson Cruz of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, yeah, so we were discussing this yesterday when we were together. Um, I Nelson Cruz is the best true DH in um, in the AL, but I guess theoretically you could put anyone. He just wouldn't be playing the field. He would only be. Yeah, yeah. So, and you look at guys like Luke Voigt, uh, great home run hitter. But I think in the long run, you have to give it to Nelson Cruz. I mean, he is a true DH. The Twins have been decent. I mean, I don't know why not give it to him. Uh, we yeah. can move on to the NL, uh, which we will start with the NL starting pitcher. Yeah, uh, the NL starting pitcher here, um, I think he goes to Jacob DeGrom. Now, has he had the best straight-out season of NL pitchers? You know, probably not. That that award probably goes to you, Darvish. But when you factor in the the fan voting, obviously, I think DeGrom would, would make it. Um, I, and I don't think it's... Um, I think it's been close enough of a battle of a battle that I think the fans would would vote him in. Obviously, going for that third straight Cy Young this year, and I think he has a chance at that um, thus far in the season. But yeah, David Degrom is the starting pitcher for the National League for me. Oh, I agree. I mean, I've been saying that he is the Cy of the NL uh, for weeks, considering I'm very very confident that he will come back and either at least make it a bigger comp probably Darvish right now, but I mean, um, he did incredible, not incredible, but a very good performance yesterday. He's a game where everyone hit, even the Buffalo, Wilson Ramos hit, uh, they won 14 to one. Anyway, he was great. Uh, he solid all year. Uh, he hasn't had any like head scratch games, I would say. Uh, they have been average, maybe below average, probably below average, but I mean, he's still been the necessarily the lone, but still the clearest, brightest spot on that average team. Yeah, we can move on to our catcher position where I have JT Real Muto. The Phillies, as much as it pains me to say it, because the Mets probably had a chance of trading for him a couple of years back. Um, but nonetheless, I think Real Muto gets the nod uh, for catcher in the NL. And I don't really even think it's all that close. Yeah, I mean, the best best catcher in baseball I would probably say by far um he's been incredible or he's been very good he's been the best player on the Phillies at least batting wise probably the best player in the Phillies period um I think he is going to be uh good for the rest of the season and will obviously help the Phillies um in the playoffs I I don't know they're going to be there but I assume they're going to be there as they've been pretty good this season so uh I hate to say it but he has been very good this season um we can move on to the first baseman in the uh, in the NL Yeah I'm going to give these this first baseman award to Freddie Freeman 
Uh, yeah, he's been on my fantasy team, been one of the best players. Doesn't matter, but just pointing it out. Um, I don't even know necessarily who else you'd give it to. I mean, yeah, I, I and I assume he'd get voted in also. I mean, maybe fans would make a push to, like, vote in the polar bear, Pete Alonso. Uh, but I, I don't really see that. I think Freddie Freeman has definitely been the best first baseman in the NL throughout the season. Yeah. We can move on here to our second baseman position where I have Robinson Cano. Now, maybe it's the fact that I'm biased or maybe it's the fact that um, I am just rooting for anything to go Wilson Robinson's way so that us trading away Jared Kilinek doesn't look as bad as Diaz has been a complete failure. Um, I don't know. There are definitely some other guys you could give it to. Cattell Marte, um, some other guys probably who could be in consideration, but I, I don't know. I went with uh, Cano here, um, but Dylan, I know you have a different. Uh, yeah, I, um, Cattell Marte, uh, some honorable mentions. Um, uh, Cano. Uh, the always honorable Wilmer Flores, uh, most known for his crying game when he was on the Mets in 2015. Uh, he's been pretty. Ac- he's actually been pretty good for the um, the Giants, one of the best ba- second basemen in the league this year. Um, he's also served as a DH, but I mean, anyway, he's been good. But I think in the long run, you give it to Cattell Marte. I mean. Overall, he's probably the best second baseman when he's playing second baseman. And the Diamondbacks have been about as good as the Mets, so I think you give it to Marte. He's just better than Cano. Yeah, moving on to shortstop here. Um, I don't even really think we have to talk about this one. It's Fernando Tatis Jr., and I think we can move on. Yeah, is there much to say? I mean, he's been the MVP batter of baseball, maybe even the MVP of baseball, I think it's probably a race between him. I guess Mookie could be in that mix and uh, Shane Bieber, but uh, yeah, I think he has had an incredible season and uh, he will definitely, as here he is, helping the Padres make a push at the playoffs and then when they're in the playoffs, uh, helping them hopefully succeed. Yeah, um, and then um, at third base, uh, we both have another Padre and that would be Manny Machado. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Tatis' incredible um, season, if he was having a... I mean, if it wasn't for his incredible season, the Padres wouldn't be as good. But if it wasn't for uh, Tatis, we would get... Uh, or Machado would be getting a lot of praise right now as he has had a very good season. Uh, not as good as Tatis, uh, but he still had a very good season. Uh, probably been the best third base in baseball. The best third baseman in baseball. And I think... Um, he is continuing to grow as a player, and he is very good. And and is finally on a playoff team. Yeah. Um. And so I think we can just go right across the outfield here. Uh, my outfield is um, Mookie Betts. Obviously, we mentioned him. I've continued to mention him as very solid um, MVP candidate on a very good Dodgers team. Uh, my center fielder, or I guess my other outfielder who would technically play at center field, Mike Yastrzemski. Um, yes, he is related to the great Carl Yastrzemski of the Red Sox way back when. Um, and then finally, to round things out, Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. Dylan, what's your outfield here? Yeah, I have, um, just to get it out of the way, I have um, 
Yastrzemski and Mookie. But, I mean, there are some other guys you could go for third, or the third one, not Soto. Um, awesome guys. Cody Bellinger, I think he has been. He's had a great, he's, he's had a good season. Uh, and I think I'm going to give it to Bellinger just because Soto missed a bunch of time at the beginning of the season because he had uh, the coronavirus. But, uh, yeah, I, I think in the, I guess based on the whole season, you have to give it to Bellinger. Yeah. All right, we can move on here now, completely switching uh, topics. So now we are going to get to our college football predictions um, for this upcoming season. Now, this season is obviously a crazy season in a crazy year. Um, there are already two um, conferences that have canceled their season in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 um, so we are left with only three Power Five conferences in the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve. Um, we will predict the conference championship and championship uh, winner for all of those, as well as go with our New Year's Six bowl games, um, and then a Heisman prediction, and obviously um, our college football national championship predictions. We will get into all of that. Uh, yeah, we will start it off. In um in the in the ACC uh the ACC probably not or probably the least competitive conference of the three they got or they acquired technically Notre Dame for the season um I think the Notre Dame uh, Fighting Irish are obviously contenders uh, you are a sort of Notre Dame fan uh but I think in the long run I think. North Carolina probably has the better quarterback than Notre Dame and probably just a better overall team. So I think I'm going Clemson versus North Carolina. Also, there are no like divisions for the ACC this year as they have a um, an odd amount of teams. Uh, so I think I'm giving it to Clemson here, obviously led by Trevor Lawrence and uh, Travis Etienne. I probably said his name wrong. It's probably Etienne, but whatever. Um, yeah, I think... You have to give it to Clemson and uh, one of North Carolina or Notre Dame. I went with North Carolina because I think Sam Howell is going to put up another um, another uh, Heisman-type season's true sophomore year. Um, so, yeah, I think he is uh, very good. But I think even because of that – or I think even, even though – he is going to be maybe even the best player in the ACC this year. I think I'm going to go Clemson going undefeated and then beating North Carolina, who are like a two or three loss team probably in the um, in the ACC championship. Yeah, so um, I agree with you in the fact that I have Clemson going undefeated and making the uh, ACC championship game. Uh, but then I have um, Notre Dame. Um, obviously, I get your case with North Carolina, but I have Notre Dame here. I think they end up being a two-loss team, uh, finishing at 9-2, and two, and um, obviously face Clemson in the uh, ACC championship game. And I think Clemson wins this one rather easily. I think Clemson, obviously led by um, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, as you mentioned, um, are one of the best teams in college football this year. And I think that... Um, we will talk about them more later um, once we get to our bowl predictions in the college football playoffs. But, yeah, um, I think Clemson wins the ACC this year. All right, so we are back. We got disconnected. Um, we have had 
lot of technical difficulties over the last couple of episodes, as I'm sure you guys know. But anyway, we left off, um, as I wrapped up, I think, uh, talking about the ACC. I know Dylan uh, had wanted to talk before it cut off, so you can go ahead and say what you were going to say before we got disconnected. Hey, now, I was done with the ACC, uh, and you were too. You had Clemson, Notre Dame, Clemson winning. I had Clemson, uh, UNC with Clemson winning. Um, yeah, that is basically um, it for the ACC. We can move on to the Big 12. Now, I started talking about that, but I don't know if um, if they or if the recording caught it. Uh, but, uh, yes, yeah, so we have Oklahoma, I think, is the clear best team led by uh, quarterback, freshman, redshirt freshman, Spencer Rattler, um, played behind uh, Jalen Hurts last year. But, uh, yeah, I think Rattler is going to be great, and they are going to roll over the Big 12, going undefeated. Um, and then I think they will be matched up, some contenders, uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas. I don't see it in Texas. I feel like every time they're uh, pegged with high expectations, they just disappoint, at least uh, since the Mac Brown era has been um, – has ended. Uh, this was Tom. Horm- this will be Tom Herman's fourth season as coach. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I don't think they will be very good in Sam Ellinger's senior year. I think I am going to give it to Oklahoma State to play Oklahoma in the Big Twelve championship. How about you? Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Oklahoma and Texas. Um, I think Sam Ellinger actually does turn out and have a big um, senior year, um, and I think. He leads uh, Texas to um, a Big 12 uh, championship game berth. Um, I think Oklahoma is a either an undefeated team or a one-loss team in the Big 12. And then I think Texas is probably a two-loss team. Um, but anyway, I think I have Oklahoma uh, winning um, this uh, this um, championship game and uh, winning the Big 12 championship, obviously. Um, and um, we will talk about them later once we get to our uh, college football playoff predictions. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, for me, I think I would go with uh, Oklahoma easily winning. Um, against Oklahoma State, I really think Oklahoma is going to be a contender this year. Although Rattler is not a confirmed star, I think he will be like um, – past Oklahoma, or like the three, the past three Oklahoma quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, uh, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, two were Heisman winners, uh, one was a Heisman runner-up in Hurts, uh, so yeah, I will see what, uh, I have, if I have Rattler with Heisman, but we can move on to the SEC, where I think this is easily the most intriguing conference, they're just a bunch of contenders, uh, those contenders consist of El- Alabama, in the SEC West, uh, LSU, uh, who is coming off a national championship winning season, I have them having another big season, even though uh, they have lost a lot. Uh, and I think also I have, or also contenders in the SEC West, I guess, probably not as much. Uh, Texas A&M, who I think is going to have a good season, and Auburn, who I think is going to be fine. Uh, and then in the SEC East, we have probably three contenders, and Georgia and Florida, obviously, and then I guess Tennessee is sort of going to contend. Uh, they're starting the season ranked, but I don't really see them being too good. Uh, I personally have LSU, who I think is going to knock off Bama in the regular season, 
Alabama's going to knock off Georgia. LSU is going to lose to like Florida. Well, Florida's going to lose to Texas A and M. It's going to be one of those type things. And I have it finishing as a rematch as last year's SEC championship. LSU versus Georgia. Uh, I was going to have Georgia kind of cakewalk across this SEC, but then uh, it was announced on uh, on uh, last week. I'm not sure what day it was uh, that Jamie Newman would not be playing the transfer star quarterback from Wake Forest. Um, LSU, although they were the national championships last champions last season, lost a ton, and I mean a ton of talent to the draft. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Jefferson, obviously Heisman, Joe Burrow, uh, Clavon Chasen, uh, Grant Delpit, and and more. Uh, Randy Moss's kid, whose name is just not coming to me at the oh Thaddeus Moss. Um, and then they lost star receiver Jamar Chase because uh, he is opting out the season to pursue the draft. Uh, but still, I think LSU is going to be led by another Heisman contender quarterback, Miles Brennan. Uh, they have they still recruit well, or they've recruited well outside of those guys. So I think LSU ends up um, taking this uh, SEC championship against Georgia. How about you? Yeah, so um, I have an Alabama-Georgia um, SEC championship game. I think I think Alabama goes undefeated um, beating LSU. I just think LSU has lost so much um, from that national championship run last year. Um, obviously, Burrow uh, Hilaire, um, everybody you mentioned, Dylan. Um, and then, um, so I, I just, I think it's going to be tough for LSU to, to come back and still have the type of season that they had last year and contend for the SEC title. So I think I have Alabama, Georgia here, and I think Alabama wins this one. And, uh, that wraps up our conference predictions. Um, do you want to go, um, bowls now? Yeah, but just to uh, summarize who I have making the college football playoffs, I have uh, being the one seed Clemson, two seeded Oklahoma. I have uh, LSU being the three seed, and then coming in as the four seed uh, because there aren't exactly enough teams to put in. Uh, nine and one, but lost to LSU, Alabama as the um, as the four seed. Yeah, so I have Alabama as the one seed, Clemson as the two seed, Oklahoma as the three seed. And Georgia at the four seed. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we can move on to the bowl games. We'll start in uh, – oh, oh, by the way, who do we have representing the group of five in the um, in the New Year's Six bowl games? Yeah, so I have UCF representing the group of five. How about you? I have Cincinnati. I was going to go Memphis. They did have um, their first game on on – Saturday night, uh, they beat Arkansas State, but because they lost their coach to Florida State, I, I think Cincinnati will take it finally this year. Uh, they have not been there yet, but they have been very close multiple times, so, including last year. Uh, so we can move on and uh, just basically state each of our New Year Six Bowl get new of each of our New Year Six Bowls games. Um, we'll start with the Cotton Bowl, uh, where I have Cincinnati and Texas A&M play. How about you? So I have uh, UCF and Florida playing. Um, nice Florida battle. Yeah, a big Florida battle. Um, I think UCF actually comes on top of this, upsetting the currently ranked Florida. Um, I think Florida will have a good year, but I just think UCF will get the best of them in this one. Yeah, for me, I have um, Cincinnati versus Texas A&M. Uh, is this finally the year where, where Texas A&M 
uh, led by, obviously, Coach Jimbo Fisher, are they going to break out? They obviously have another challenging schedule. I mean, any team who's in the SEC West does. Uh, so I think Texas A&M is going to have a good year, probably losing like three or four games, but being good enough to get a New Year's Six Bowl berth. Uh, but I think there they will lose to a uh, Cincinnati team that probably has more heart and is probably just a better team, even though they were not challenged so much in the regular season. Okay, um, we can move on here to our next bowl. We, you want to do the Fiesta Bowl next? Uh, yeah, I can do the Fiesta Bowl next. Uh, so in the Fiesta Bowl, I have two solid teams, I guess, meeting off uh, the ACC Championship, I guess, the or not the ACC Championship, the Big 12 Championship, uh, loser in Oklahoma State, and then uh, the person who I or the team who I have finishing third in the ACC, Notre Dame. Uh, I think... Uh, in this Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame battle, I guess I'll call it battle. Uh, Notre Dame takes it. How about you? Who do you have? In the Fiesta Bowl, I have Texas versus North Carolina. I think Texas takes this one um, coming off their, um, their loss in the Big 12 uh, championship. I think they recover and beat um, a North Carolina team uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, we can do Peach Bowl next uh, where I have an Auburn-Oklahoma State matchup. Yeah, in the Peach Bowl for me, I have um, Florida meeting up with Iowa State. I think Iowa State's going to have a good year too, but probably not as good as Oklahoma State. But I think it's possible that we see an Oklahoma-Iowa State uh, 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 Big 12 championship. But I think in this Florida-Iowa State game, Florida probably handles it as led by Kyle Trask. They are probably just a better team. I think Florida probably takes a loss to Georgia and then Texas A&M, uh, giving them two losses on the season, not good enough to make the SEC championship. But still, another uh, two-loss season for Dan Miller and Kyle Trask and a very good Florida team. Okay, uh, we will do the Orange Bowl next before we get to the college football playoff. In the Orange Bowl, I have a Notre Dame LSU matchup. Oh, wait, sorry. I never said my winner for the Peach Bowl. I have Oklahoma State beating Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Back to the Orange Bowl, I have a Notre Dame LSU matchup where I think LSU takes it. Okay. Uh, LSU, Notre Dame, you have LSU. I have Georgia versus North Carolina. Uh, Sam Howell uh, is very, very good, and I think he will have a huge season, but I just don't think they're good enough. Even without Jamie Newman, uh, led by JT Daniels, to stop this Georgia team that just overall is a better team than North Carolina. All right, uh, we can move on here to the college football playoff. We will start with the Sugar Bowl, which is the 1 4 matchup. I have uh, an all SEC matchup here in the Sugar Bowl, um, an Alabama Georgia matchup. I think Alabama takes it and moves on to the uh, national championship. Uh yeah, for me I have um I have uh I have a Clemson Alabama match um in the one matchup which is the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I think Alabama, although the four seed upsets, uh I I don't know I I'm not sure because I feel like uh Mac Jones is good enough to lead this Alabama team. But I'm not sure he's good enough to lead this Alabama team. I'll go with Alabama. Uh. I think they're going to have a good season, um, and and they end up advancing to the national championship past Clemson. All right, so we can move on here to our last bowl, where we have the Rose Bowl. 
um, the two three matchup. I have Clemson at the two seed and Oklahoma at the three seed. And I think Clemson, led by Trevor Lawrence, moves on to the national championship. What about you, Del? Yeah, so I have um, Oklahoma and LSU. I think Oklahoma probably rolls past LSU uh, like LSU did to them last year in the, um, what was it, the Peach Bowl uh, in the college football playoffs. It's just the opposite outcome. Probably not as much as a blowout as, like, Joe Burr threw, like, eight touchdowns in that game. But, uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma and Alabama advance. We have an Oklahoma and Alabama. You have Clemson Alabama. Yeah. Um, so we can go with our national championship here. We're having Alabama-Clemson matchup, um, as we have seen a bunch over the last half decade or so. Um, I think Clemson takes this one um, as Trevor Lawrence wins a national championship and then declares for the draft who he will be picked by at the number one pick. Um, you guys will see my predictions for that tomorrow where we have our full NFL prediction um, predictions episode. Stay tuned for that tomorrow. But anyway, back to uh, college football. I think Clemson wins the national championship. Uh, yeah, for me, Oklahoma, Alabama. Although I barely, I struggled to um, even put Alabama past Clemson. I think they are not necessarily a better team than Oklahoma, but they are more championship ready. Okay, I did say I'm not a big fan of Mac Jones. I still think that. But in the long run, they have stars on the defense. Uh, Patrick Sertain, uh, son of uh, NFL star Patrick Sertain, uh, they on the offense of Devontae Smith, who caught the game winning champ or the the game winning touchdown in the 2018 national championship game against Georgia. They have Jalen Waddle, another star receiver. I, Oklahoma, uh, Alabama stacked and didn't even lose that much outside of Tua to the draft this year. So I think I'm going to go with Alabama, led by uh, Mac Jones, uh, to outthrone or to dethrone uh, Oklahoma, led by Spencer Rattler in the national championship. Yeah, um, so that basically wraps things up. Uh, we will give our Heisman picks um, for this year. I have Mac Jones um, leading Alabama all the way to the national championship. I think Trevor Lawrence is a very, very close runner-up. Uh, but I gave Trevor Lawrence the national championship, so I give Mac Jones the Heisman here. Yeah, I have Spencer Rattler winning it with um, uh, probably either uh, – Lawrence or um, no, no. I have, uh, yeah, I have Matt, uh, Rattler winning it with Trevor Lawrence being the runner-up and Sam Howell being the third-place vote. Um, so yeah, that is our college football predictions, and that is also the end of this episode one with uh, only like one moment of technical difficulties. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. NFL predictions. We also happen to have a special guest. Uh, you guys will see. Tomorrow, uh, we will talk to you guys next time.